Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me. The podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never have to miss an episode. You can also join in the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website or follow along on the show's official Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages where you can slide into my DMs and let me know your thoughts on the show or even future topics you'd like me to tackle. And as always, those links are embedded into the show notes for you. Welcome back to the show to all of our returning listeners. Thanks again for sticking with the show and coming back time after time. We're practically a family at this point. And to those of you who are just finding the show this week, hello, welcome, thanks for stopping by, grab yourself a drink, put your feet up and get comfy because I've got a great episode in store for all of you. Oh, and don't forget to click that subscribe button and rate and review the podcast through Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening from. Thank you so much. So this week is a big milestone episode for the podcast, episode number 10. Can you believe it? 10 episodes out there in the universe for all to listen to and for everyone to judge. Stick with me in the coming weeks because there is a huge, huge announcement on the way. I can't say too much, but it is a doozy. Now, to celebrate this monumentous occasion... This episode, I'll be getting personal and sharing with you my top most influential queer characters from television that have inspired or impacted me throughout my life. And to add a little queer icing to the cake this week, I'm going to be joined by Paul Mitzi, fellow podcaster and one third of Lip Media's podcast, The Swapcast Podcast. The podcast where Paul, Lucy and Brendan delve into the body swap trope and dissect movies like 1989's classic Dream a Little Dream, lesser-known gems such as The Velocipasta, don't ask, Paul will explain, and everyone's favourite body swap movie, Freaky Friday. Paul will also be sharing with us his top queer characters, so without further ado, let's get on with episode number 10. Welcome to Excuse Me, how are you? Very good, thanks for having me. Excited to delve into our queer characters this week. Super excited to have you on the show. Before we get stuck into our top queer characters, can you share with my listeners a little bit about your podcast and how you guys got started with this very interesting topic that you all have? Yeah, so Brendan, my co-host, and I were watching this terrible body swap movie, It's a Boy-Girl Thing, one day, (laughs) because it was on Netflix. And afterwards, we got into a really in-depth discussion about all 
the themes and the recurring themes that a lot of body swap films have. And then we were just kind of thinking afterwards, no one's really dissected this genre in any depth. And we looked out and there's never been a podcast about body swapping films. So we thought, let's do it. Um, And three years later, we're still doing it. I think the number one question we always get when people find out about our podcast is how much longer can you actually do it for? How many body swap films are there? And the answer is there is a shit ton of body swap (laughs) movies. I've got like a master list that could like keep us going for the next five years at least. And they keep making more of them. So it's a surprisingly, you know, deep subject to mine. So it's hilarious because I had absolutely no idea there were that many. Like I was like, I've seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I guess all the classics that people are familiar with. But then you guys have delved into some really deep, dark waters when it comes to the body swap. What's been, um, I guess, let's maybe just like two of the most interesting ones that you guys have done? Uh, that's a really um tough question because they're all interesting in their own special ways um there's a 80s one called switch with ellen barkin where a womanizer gets murdered by women that he's treated poorly and then gets reincarnated as a woman and then becomes so entwined with his womanhood then becomes pregnant and like with uh, it's just crazy, <laughs> crazy film. Velocipasta about a priest that turns into a dinosaur. I mean, how many movies can claim they have that in the plot? There, We did one recently called Bad Johnson about a man's penis that becomes a sentient human being. Yeah, it, yeah they really run the gamut. really keen to watch that one. Watch the movie or listen to the episode because I would recommend uh, not watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's, keen, he's keen to watch the movie, so I'll... Uh, I'll advise him otherwise for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I always say that we watch them so you don't have to. I would recommend when you find our show, look at the episodes of movies you've never heard of that look terrible and listen to those ones because everyone kind of gravitates towards like 13 going on 30 and Freaky Friday and Big. But the real gems are the pieces of trash that we just completely <laughs> tear apart. Well, they are wise words and I'm sure the listeners are going to do exactly that. Now, I am lucky enough to have you on the show. And of course, you know movies. And I'm guessing with knowing movies, you also know a fair bit about TV too. Yeah. And of course, queer culture and queer characters over the years. And so I've been lucky enough to have you guest on the show today. And we're going to do a one for one for our most influential list of queer characters who have impacted or influenced or inspired us in some sort of way it could be a rock paper scissors decision here of who goes first i feel like i want to go first but as you are my guest i'd love to hear your number well you're not necessarily your number one but your first one okay so are are we ranking these is my first question are we going from the least influential to most influential or how would you like this i personally think you know it could be equal footing there doesn't necessarily need to be a ranking in order i do know that when i was looking at mine i kind of took them from a timeline perspective so like for example my first one is probably one of the earlier ones for me in my life that I was like, yes, this is somebody who I can relate to now. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, there's there's no there's no need for an order. I feel like all of these characters, whoever we decide to talk about, are all going to be interesting and equally inspiring or impactful. Yeah. So go for gold. If you okay. want to rank them, do it. Okay. What I'm going to do is I got four that are kind of in equalish footing and then i've got one clear top for Ooh, me top runner. Yep. so i'm going to go through the other ones first and then we'll end with my top pick so the brief that you gave me were queer characters that were influential for me when i was growing up so i'm going to start with hal sparks performance as michael on the u.s version of queer as folk did Ooh, you ever watch geez. queer as folk i did but yeah. i i'm english uh, yeah. originally 
and I lived in England and I was going through high school years when Queer as Folk, the UK version first came out. Yeah. And I have some honorable mentions to, to those guys, but yes, very familiar. I didn't love the US version. Yeah. So I, I'm going to you know caveat this one with the fact that I only watched the British Queer as Folk when I Good was man. older. Like I watched, oh. I, it was in the, only in the last five or so years that I've actually got around to watch the British one because the American one in on Australian TV was the one that we had and it used to be on SBS on like a weekday night at like 10.30 at night. This was like a big deal because queer representation and especially one so frank just wasn't really that accessible and it was at a time where, you know, I didn't have the internet on my phone and I could just browse at will. So having this kind of thing in your face was a big deal as a closeted gay kid. I remember lying to all my friends about watching that show and they could never know that I I watched a show about gay guys and yeah I used to have all the lights off so it would look like I'm asleep and I'd be watching that on my little 34 inch TV in my bedroom and Michael was like the nerdy kind of main character that was obsessed with Brian who was the you know dream boat who slept around but I always connected more with Michael he was a nerdy retail worker who had dreams of becoming a comic book writer and ended up in the series owning a comic book store where he sold his own comic books but he didn't play into all the stereotypes that I guess were mainly what I saw at that age so it was refreshing to see a gay character that I could relate to and felt like me and definitely made me think this could be who I am. So when you were watching the US version here in Australia mm-hmm. and then of course you said later in life you've, you've got to see the, the UK version, how do you think the two compare against each other? I loved the British version. It was definitely more down to earth and less convoluted because the, the American one ran for so long it became a bit more soap opery than than what the British yeah. one was. I have to say though, watching the British one, I hated the last episode and I felt like it betrayed the whole vibe of the whole series. But I would say overall, the British version is probably the stronger of the two. And like Charlie Hunnam is amazing. So um, yeah, but I, I will always have a, stop, a soft spot for the Queerest Folk US version because it just opened my eyes to the gay community in a way that no other the show did. It's funny because I guess you know at the time that you and a lot of other people particularly here and of course in the US were watching their version of that I had already watched the UK version before it had been sold to the US and yeah. I was in high school when that was airing and it was very controversial. My mum and my sister loved it and they would watch it and I was just kind of <laughs> like in this I would say they loved it like they watched it and I guess there was some sort of soap opera vibe to it like mentality to it that they enjoyed but I was very much like when it was on I had to go away yeah because I just had to remove myself because I was like god forbid anybody realizes anything in this situation but in terms of tv it was very progressive for the time the US one and the 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 UK one as well it was incredible to to have something so brazen in your face that the nudity and the the sexual content of it all was very realistic to a lot of people in that time frame and still is to to some people these days not so much if you're in victoria right now because you can't go anywhere but um such a progressive tv show and one that i think that we needed yes and it's funny that you say like your mom and sister would watch it and love it see i grew up in a very different household if that was ever on the tv and my parents saw it it would have been shut off straight away and if i got caught watching it it would have been the end of me so it's funny that it's something that was embraced by your family and you were shying away from it and it was, it was embraced was completely, yeah completely different it was embraced yeah. but it was also because I guess at that point as well it wasn't the norm and of course I wasn't out and then you know up until that point in my life as well there wasn't really anyone who was openly gay that I guess was sort of embraced by the family it, my mum's sister's stepson he was gay but he was kind of he didn't have anything to do with anyone so when my mum and my sister were watching it they loved the soap opera drama sort of aspect of it but when it came to the sexual content, it was all very, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, squeamish. Yeah. Um, And there was lots of giggling and lots of like, ew, and... (laughs) 
you know, just kind of yeah. that side of it. But it was one of those shows I really, I, I kind of really wanted to be on board with and watch, but I just couldn't because yeah. you have to strategically place that cushion. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's a great place to start us off for the conversation. I am going to jump straight in. For me, when I was younger and sort of hiding from my sexuality and my identity, I was very much in awe of the character of Jack McPhee from Dawson's Creek. Okay, so is he one of yours? Is one of mine, (laughs) (laughs) and the 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 number one that I was working towards was Jack. Oh no, I've just ruined everything. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Well, you could never ruin anything by professing your love for Jack McPhee. I mean, firstly, as a character, what a great character that they created with him. His storylines that he had, for the most part, I personally think were absolutely very beautifully and and well written there were some ups and downs there yeah but as a whole like the coming out scenario for him was such an interesting way for them to do it and in preparation for for this episode with you I went back and watched a whole bunch of different episodes of Dawson's Creek and and other shows that I I I enjoyed with queer characters I just when I rewatched them recently I remember thinking how um I don't want to sound bad because I loved the character of Jack and I loved Dawson's Creek back in the day but the there was such a, a melodrama around when he came out to his father yeah and it was very dramatic and I don't know if they could have done it differently and still got that same message across I don't know what your thoughts are on that well I have to say compared to me coming out to my dad it was probably not even that dramatic so um uh and the thing is with Jack you know I was the same age as the characters in Dawson's Creek so as they grew up I grew up in the exact same moments in their life I was having when they graduated school I graduated school and they went to uni I went to uni and I just always felt a connection with Jack. He was always the way better looking version of, of me. Um, but obviously he was able to come out a lot sooner than I ever could. So yeah, it was also an aspirational thing for me to see Jack and the fact that he had relationships and that he progressed and how good of a friend he was to Jen and how all his friends embraced him and his sexuality and the fact that the show let him have a happy ending. Like at the time, you know, gay characters were mostly relegated to tragedy. You know, they either got bashed or they died of HIV or to just have a character have all the same romantic struggles as his straight peers in the show was a really powerful thing to see on TV. And him coming out on primetime TV was a groundbreaking moment. It was a history-making moment. It was huge. And I believe, as far as at the very least the US goes, Jack was the first character on primetime to have a male-on-male kiss. Yeah. So that's huge in itself. The character, I think... Sometimes I I think when you talk about Dawson's Creek, particularly nowadays, it gets lost in, you know, the plethora of pop culture and and other shows that have sort of come up and exceeded past Dawson's Creek. But in terms of pushing boundaries, it was one that really did a lot. Mm. Um, I remember, like you say, identifying with Jack being in high school with my high school girlfriend and having that kind of like she she was lovely. She still is. She's great. Mm -hmm. But um, just kind of having that facade up. And I always remember going, when when the character of Jack came out, I always remember going, fuck, I wish I was that brave. Yeah. I wish I could do that right now. And I, 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 like, I can't because everyone in the world will just despise me. And unfortunately, my world's not really that big or important and they don't. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm lucky to have good people and, and good friends and family around me and all very lucky for that. But um, yeah, it was probably one of the first characters I've ever seen come out. Yeah. And that was, and to be welcomed in a way, like, of course, there were there were issues, but for the majority, like, you know, the, the gens and the, the people who were close to that character, they just sort of accepted it and mm-hmm. didn't really make a big deal out of it. And the truth be told is it doesn't have to be a big deal. Look at, look at nowadays, it's not as big a deal as it was if you're living in particular parts of the world, of course. Yeah. And I think the value of a show like Dawson's Creek, they don't make shows like Dawson's Creek very often anymore. 
if you're going to make a teen show, it has to be about a superhero or a vampire or, you know, you can't have shows about teens living normal, relatable lives. It's a very rare thing. I mean, there are examples here and there. I think Josh Thomas's um, recent show, Everything's Going to Be Okay, is maybe one of those. But to have like an hour-long drama about teens and teen lives just be about their lives is a very rare thing and a valuable thing I think we've kind of lost. Yes, superhero things can be allegories for other things, but there's something nice about just seeing people live their lives. Exactly. And this is precisely why my partner and I have just restarted watching um, Brothers and Sisters, if you ever watched that show. I never watched it, but yeah, I I know the one. Well, spoiler alert, everyone, later on, I'll be talking about a character from that show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to hit us up with your number two or your number four, depending on which way we're looking at this? Okay. So... Another one I'm going to do that's a bit off-centre for everything we've discussed so far is the character of Big Gay Al in South Park. Really? Yeah. So, um, I don't know, did you ever watch South Park back in the day? Yes, and I remember my sister and a lot of her friends, they were a couple of years older than me, and they absolutely loved South Park. And Big Gay Al, I, as a character, I thought he, he was fabulous. But yeah, there was a, he was a part of a lot of jokes. But yeah, very familiar with South Park, very familiar with Big Gay Al and I am excited to hear where you're going with this. So I think the the charm of South Park is that it's an equal opportunity offender. Nothing is sacred for South Park and they use that as a way of discussing a lot of issues that people wouldn't normally be comfortable discussing and doing it through humour to make it a bit more palatable. And I think if you re-watch, especially the first episode that Big Gayal appeared in, it's really, uh, the whole message of the episode is about accepting gay people and letting them be who they want unapologetically. And the show was incredibly ahead of its time, I think. And obviously the show is quite crude and is made for adults, but let's be honest, at the time when it premiered, the only people that were watching were 13-year-old boys. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's a pretty powerful message to have such a positive gay character in a show made for 13-year-old boys. And like all the kids in South Park, they just accept Al and they're happy to be around him and they're not scared to be around him. And the episode that he first appears in, Stan has a dog that is gay and the dog doesn't feel like he's accepted. So he goes to live at Big Gay Al's Big Gay Animal Sanctuary that is full (laughs) of, of wayward gay animals that didn't feel like they were accepted. So they've come to Gay Owl's sanctuary to find a safe space and a community to be with each other. And I think that's pretty special. Like, I think the South Park guys can often be discounted for the positive stuff that they do put in that show, just because it's vowed with a bit of crude humour. And sometimes they do do stuff that maybe feels a bit morally questionable, but I feel like their heart is always in the right place. So yeah, Big Gay Out, I I think should be reevaluated. I think you might be right. And I think you've just made me feel very mainstream about all the ones that uh, (laughs) that are in my top five list. I (laughs) never would have thought to put Big Gay Al in there. Well done you. Yeah, that's a a curveball I wasn't expecting. I like that. Now, what about Mr. Slave? Mr. Slave, I mean, again, I guess him shoving gerbils up his ass would probably, (laughs) people in the uh, animal protection community would probably not appreciate that. But other than that, he's a character that owns his kinks and, um, you know, again, like they let him teach at the school at one point, you know. Uh, That's right. And again, how many shows explored those kind of themes before South Park? Now, the stuff that Mr. Slave is into is fairly <laughs> in Mr. the mainstream. Mr. Vanilla now. Yeah, whereas when that premiered, the concept of Mr. Slave was pretty out there and pretty progressive to be showing on a major network. Yeah, that was huge. Damn, you just killed me with your number two. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So meanwhile, back in mainstream over here, yeah. I my number two, and if you tell me this is on your list, I'm just going to be devastated because I'm just taking all of yours, is Willa Rosenberg. She's on my list. Damn it. <laughs> uh, damn us having too much in common. Uh, maybe this is some gay archetype trope that we, <laughs> we, we didn't know we were going to fall into this hole. But Willow yeah. Rosenberg, I, this is why I said to you, make sure that, the, you know, you get some honourable mentions just in case. Okay. But yeah, Willow Rosenberg, Alison Hannigan, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a really, really strong woman. And I am very much drawn to the strong woman archetype in terms of characters. It's kind of my jam. But um, at the same time, she, particularly with her relationship with Tara, when that was going on on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it was very just sort of honest and natural and real. It was never made to be a, a huge deal when, you know, when she came out to Buffy, there was like that moment where she says to Buffy, you keep saying my name, Are you weirded out by this. And then Buffy takes a breath and she's like, no, not at all. It is like. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. it's all okay and it was always okay and then they were just this big supportive family and scooby gang of great characters who were all incredibly well written yeah uh totally in agreement like i i know i was shitting on the fact that so many teen shows are about vampires and superheroes but, don't worry dude know. i got vampires 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 in my list <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah buffy was such a seminal show for me and that is a show that really did use those metaphors and like, you know, the episode might have been about some demon, but it was really commenting on something that we deal with in everyday life. But occasionally the show would take the subtext out of the water and just deal with something like Willow coming out, like when Buffy's mum dies. And oh, don't start me on that. That's yeah. such a sad episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, especially at the time, I think lesbianism wasn't something we saw as much as gay characters. Gay characters, were st- like uh, male gay characters, were starting to become a bit more mainstream. But outside of like titillation, seeing like a lesbian relationship was a pretty big deal at the time. And I know there's so many lesbians out there that willow was their gateway into realizing who they were so like jack mcphee was ours yes yes (laughs) i i feel like willow was the jack mcphee of of lesbians (laughs) (laughs) and she was such she was such a good character in the relationship the way they wrote her relationship not just her relationship with tara but the relationship from transitioning from being a a straight identifying character to somebody who was a little bit more on the like bisexual side to then identifying specifically more as a lesbian the way that they sort of transitioned that for her was really really well written and and i think relatable not just for a lesbian identifying person but for for anybody who's just sort of found a person attractive for the person that they are um it was just sort of this nice not 
safe because I, I don't think writing that kind of character in that time frame would have been safe for any television show but the way they handled it was with such dignity and and there was a lot of sort of class to that and it was just normal which is what it all is it's all very normal when you really think about it and i, I yeah i feel like buffy is a show that's aged incredibly well and it still holds up because of the way that it, it treated things like that yeah definitely all right. All right. So, what do you got I, next? I, well, I guess I've only got one left <laughs> now because <laughs> you've stolen all of mine. <laughs> but what a last one it is. So, my last queer character is actually not quite a character because it was a reality TV show and it was someone being themselves. And that was Carson Kresley in the original iteration of Queer Eye, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Good um, choice. And Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was such a progressive show. It was all about acceptance and it was showing unapologetically queer men on screen just being themselves and especially Carson to have someone so flamboyant be comfortable being flamboyant on screen and having every episode a masculine straight man accept him into their world and participate in his world was a huge deal. It was a real beacon of hope that you can be yourself and be accepted. And it was way ahead of its time. So obviously he's still the same cast and he ever was now is on Drag Race and a whole bunch of other light entertainment shows that he pops up on. The fact that he was himself back then was a huge deal. Massive. Like, I mean, when did when did Queer Eye, the original run of Queer Eye, when did that very first start? It would have been like, was it early 2000s? Yeah, it was, 90s, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it, I think it was 2000. And so that's, that was such a, a bold move to have somebody, like you say, be so, I mean, we say flamboyant, but just so himself and, and unapologetically himself. And to be honest, he, you know, I, I watched that first run of Queer Eye and I enjoyed it. And he, I don't want to sound terrible to the other guys who were on the show at the time, but he's really the only one I really remember. Oh, you, I'm telling you, you picked some good ones. I've just got made <laughs> I loved Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and I was so hyped when Queer Eye was launched on Netflix. And that show has exceeded my expectations. Like I, the new obsessed. iteration of it. Yeah, every time they drop a season. I watched, I don't, I'm not generally a binge watcher, but I binge watch that show. It's just the most feel good show on TV. And I love all the new guys in the new it's Fab so Five. It's so good. They, they, the chemistry of the new Fab Five is awesome. All of them are just so good together and individually. And let's just talk about the amazing height that Tan gets on his hair. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um, yeah. It's such a, good, such a good show. Original run and the new one. They've really rebooted that in a way that accessible to those who loved the the first run and they've encapsulated a new audience with what they're doing now and yeah it's completely binge worthy like every time they release a new season my partner and i it's done within like a day yeah and then we're devastated because we have to wait till whenever they yeah. decide to <laughs> release another one well to tide me over between seasons i just get some of my straight friends and then just take them shopping and get their hair done just so I feel like I'm doing it in real life. <laughs> I love and it. I've legit a, done that a few times. <laughs> we, we're currently having that moment. So um, my partner has two two kids from a previous marriage and his son is just about to turn 18 and he's going to his year 12 formal, which is thankfully going ahead this year. And That's so cute. just today, the two of us took him formal shopping to get him a suit and we're like standing there in the changing rooms and like, no, no, you're going to need a textured tie and we're going to have to change your shirt. And it was this whole queer eye moment and the, the sales assistant was loving it. And poor Ethan was, I like to think he was loving it on the inside, but I feel like he might've just been a bit like, guys, I'm just too cool for this. Stop it. Yeah. Stop, stop queer eyeing me. Well, you know, <laughs> it's only for his benefit. So he has to shut up and let it happen. <laughs> So I'm so sorry that I stole some of your <laughs> top people, but That's right. <laughs> there is still there is still more to talk about. So yeah. I, I'm going to round off mine with one more, which is Kevin Walker from the TV show Brothers and Sisters. And the reason that I am going to talk about that, which is great for me because you haven't watched the show, so it might inspire you to 
don't know, at least YouTube a couple of scenes. Yeah. Um, Brothers and Sisters, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like This Is Us to those okay. people who watch that. And they had this it, the, an incredible cast. You've got Callista Flockhart, Sally Field. You've got uh, Rachel Griffith, of course, who's Australian and lovely, along with a whole bunch of other incredible actors. And there's one character who's played by Matthew Reese, who is a, I believe he's a Welsh actor. Yeah. Um, and he plays a character, Kevin Walker, who just happens to be one of the brothers and sisters from the title of the show. He's the the gay brother, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And the way that they wrote him was so like kind of like Jack McPhee when he came out. It was just such a normal character for them to to write. Like it was never a big deal that he was homosexual. It was just, you know, he was already out when the show started. So there was no big coming out scene or anything like that. Like when he came out on the show, it was in episode one having a conversation with his mum, which is Sally Field. And she's like, how come you never bring anyone home? And he's like, well, because, you know, guys are shit, essentially. And that was the coming out of his character. And then um, I stumbled upon the show after suffering, you know, a 20, it might have been like 22 or 23. And I had like a major heartbreak and was just so full of myself and yeah. sad that I was like, love's not a thing. It's never going to happen for me. <laughs> and I stumbled across the show and then his character meets another guy called Scotty and they start to date. And Scotty's kind of originally written very stereotypically flamboyant, very camp. And their whole relationship when, you know, they get married, they have like this whole thing, there's infidelity and betrayal and, you know, rebuilding of trust. But it was, it was just written in a way that made me go, you know what, it's okay and normal to be gay. And I can have the same relationships with people that my sister might have, or, you know, my straight friends will have their relationships that I'm entitled to. And I shouldn't deny myself these things or think I can't have it just because of my sexuality. Stop overdoing it. Stop over dramatizing everything. It's okay to feel heartbroken. It's okay to have all these bad feelings and it's okay to, to move on from that. So if you haven't watched brothers and sisters, I highly recommend that you, you take a look. I think you're selling me on it. I do have a couple of other questions for you based on uh, the topic is I'd love to know your thoughts on a couple of, I guess, more familiar queer characters and how you think they stack up in terms of who they are and how they um, really resonate with our community. Yeah. My first one would be the Jack and Will of Will and Grace. See, Will and Grace was never a show that I really connected to. Like, I've seen episodes, but it's not something that I've watched every episode and loved. I've never really been one for, like, the laugh track sitcoms. But again, like, the show was so groundbreaking for its time. And as much as they kind of skirted around actually showing anything and actually being too explicit about talking about gay themes... It, it did break a lot of ground. So I have to respect the show for that. But I haven't really watched any of the reboot that they've done recently or anything. Are, are you a Will um, and Grace fan? Look, I, I'm so much of a Will and Grace fan when it came out because I hadn't come out yet when the first couple of seasons were on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, like I would get together with my cousin who is and was like a, my best friend at the, you know, and we would watch the episodes together and she was the, the grace to my will. Yeah, <laughs> And <laughs> she was one of the first people I ever came out to. And I don't necessarily think I would have had the confidence to do it if we hadn't shared in those moments together. And yeah. what really made it acceptable for me was the fact that the, the character of Will was never defined by his sexuality. He always just happened to be this guy who was gay and he lived with his best friend. Whereas then you had the Jack who was the stereotype of the homosexual who was overly flamboyant and would, you know, come in and steal all the scenes and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So I, I personally believe for, for me, Will and Grace was a big part of it. And it was so much so that my partner, when we started dating, he wasn't completely out of the closet. And I kind of said to him, well, I'm not going back in the closet for anyone. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have to figure out what's going to happen here. And then when he was comfortable enough with himself to 
I guess, start to make those progressive step forwards for him, we ended up watching Will and Grace. And I was like, right, well, this is going to be a part of your education because it was actually <laughs> such a big show at the time. And also he loves comedy and the sitcoms and the Seinfelds and the Friends and everything. So, so I was like, you, you missed out if you like that sort of thing. So let's watch yeah. this together. And it was, it was a really good bonding experience for us. In the new run that they've done, it's just too, I don't want to say it's too political, but it's too political. Yeah. Kind of lost a little bit of its magic that they had. It was great to see everybody back together, but it just kind of, it, it lost something. And it was still a great watch if you liked the first run. Yeah. But it wasn't what it was. And I think they were just trying to recreate that. Yeah. Um, my next one for you though, good sir, is how do you feel about Shit's Creek? I love that show with every fiber of my being i cried so much in the last two episodes the only other time i think i've cried that much in a tv show is the finale of dawson's creek funnily enough (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so sad yeah oh don't even mention that that's like the marley and me of people movies i remember i was like heaving when i watched the the uh dawson's creek finale and like right even after it finished, I was still crying. And then like my yep. mom walks in, she's like, Why are you crying this much about Dawson's Creek? I'm like, You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, she's Creek it's just such a beautiful show and that the romance, David's romance is just next level. Like simply it's the so best and like beautifully done. Amazing, so good. And I mean so generally like queer representation nowadays, if you made this list, like what's your favorite queer performances? at the moment it would be like a million people long like it was funny yeah, doing, doing every show has someone now yeah and it's funny doing the research for this and like obviously I went through like Wikipedia and whatever and just to remind myself of what was around when I was growing up and it's funny like how few shows actually had gay main characters maybe they would have one for a very special episode where they would talk about gay themes and that character would go away but for a show to actually have a gay main character was a huge deal that we didn't see much job so even more applause should be given to the shows that we've mentioned because they were really brave for doing what they did at the time they were definitely and groundbreaking and the you know a lot of the time back then as well you would have actors wouldn't want to play gay and so it was interesting when you would have the straight actors playing gay roles you know i i look at kerr smith who played jack mcphee on dawson's creek just to loop it back around to that and kind you kind of ask yourself like he was a he was a good actor like he was up and coming and he was doing some good stuff but where did he end up well he's on Riverdale this season is he really yeah he played the principal there you go that's where he ended up Prince, principal uh, honey principal honey and he's rocking yeah. that salt and pepper from the last picture I saw of him yeah but um, <laughs> it's just it's great to see these actors who played these characters back in the day when it wasn't the norm for for people to to be I guess telling these stories and yet their biggest takeaway from it is always the fan mail and the letters that they got from people who were struggling who perhaps came out to to their friends or family members because of their portrayal of these characters even though they may never have identified in that way but they managed to tell a story and I think that is just the power of, of television and the power of movies especially with television series television when you have these people who are in your lives every day if you watch the shows like that like you you grow up with them and you learn you know you just experience things the same way that they do that if somebody comes out and it's normal well then it's just normal yeah and i mean last few weeks we've had the really horrible tragedy of naya rivera passing away and just seeing the response from fans of how much her queer character on glee made a difference in their lives I don't know if you listened to the uh, lit media show uh, Hunting Seasons. Damask, the host of that, did a really beautiful tribute to Naya and how that character on Glee helped her come out of the closet. And, you know, it brought her to tears. And it just shows how powerful this representation can be. It's, It's a powerful thing to see yourself represented in popular culture. It's very, you know, comforting and and shows you that you're not alone. And 
exactly you're not a freak you're you know this you can be who you are and be happy definitely and one of the one of the other characters that i just wanted to mention as well for me was sophia Bursette from orange is the new black played by laverne cox and yeah. that's when you're talking about being able to identify with characters and see yourself represented as as a gay guy i see myself represented now a lot of the time and you look to the trans community and you know you have act- actresses like laverne cox who are out there and pushing boundaries and to me like i know she's not the only one but she was really the first that made me stop and go oh okay hold on i need to maybe do a little bit more research here into the trans community and what they're going through because they're going through essentially similar things that we went through many many years ago and it it is so important to have every different identity represented on screen every day and normalized because there really is nothing wrong with it yeah and be who you are and trans the uh, trans community has had some amazing performances of late and because there's been a real shift in hollywood to be like trans people should be playing trans roles um and because of that we've gotten like sensate on netflix amazing uh, main character who's trans Dispatches from Elsewhere on Amazon, another amazing trans main actor. The Politician, uh, Pose on FX, which the entire cast is essentially trans actors and actresses, and they're all phenomenal. So, um, yeah, it's gotten so much better for that. Obviously, there's always room to improve, and more representation is coming. Just some phenomenal stuff out there at the moment. It's great, and if we keep moving the way that the creative types are moving, Moving, this next generation of people are, are really just sort of pushing boundaries if they keep doing that then they will norm- normalize everything as much as possible mm-hmm. and everybody will be represented and that that's the goal like you don't want to alienate anyone yeah so paul yeah with that in mind i feel like that's a beautiful note for us to uh wrap up our conversation <laughs> thank you so much for for reaching out and coming on the show i really appreciate it and it's no been worries. really lovely having this conversation with you if you want to do a little plug for your swap cars podcast and yeah. uh, let the people know where they can listen because there's plenty of good stuff coming up i'm sure yeah no there's we've got some gems coming up and also our very first director interview uh, very soon as well so yeah definitely uh, search the swapcast podcast if you go the swapcastpodcast.com uh, all our episodes are on there but if you go into any podcast app and search the swapcast podcast you can find us subscribe we love getting feedback if you suggest a swap film that we haven't done yet we'll bump it to the front of the list and try to do it as soon as we can so love to hear from our listeners and love those reviews on itunes we've actually got a thing at the moment once we get to 100 reviews on itunes we will do face off which is our most requested movie Mm. that people really want us to do so if you want to hear us talk about face off review us on itunes i want to hear you talk about face off i'm going to review right now because that movie is insanely ridiculous i love it amazing yeah (laughs) every review counts towards that goal so um yeah get on it but yeah we're on all the social medias as well instagram facebook Facebook, Twitter. If you follow us on Insta, I mostly just post shirtless pictures of the guys in the movie. So, you know, who doesn't want that on their feed? So, um, yeah, the Swapcast podcast. All right. You heard it here. I'm in. I'm going straight to Instagram right now because I feel like I might have some uh, posts I missed that I might need to review. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you uh, giving your time and your queer expertise on uh, this topic. It's been really, really, really good. Thank you so much, guys. I will put all of Paul's links into the show notes of the podcast. Paul, you're a legend. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have me back anytime. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that's almost it for our 10th episode of Excuse Me. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. The accurate representation and inclusion of queer characters on screen is something that is incredibly important to me. This conversation with Paul really illustrated just how impactful these characters, when written right, can be in the normalisation of queer identity and how being able to identify with someone just like you on screen every day can really change someone's life for the better. 
It was also so hard to pick just a few individuals to discuss from such a vast rainbow of interesting queer characters that are out there. There were so many that didn't get a mention on the show. So here's just three more honourable mentions from my perspective. Ellen Morgan, played by Ellen DeGeneres in the 90s. The coming out episode of that show pretty much ruined her career at the time. But it was so necessary and so brave for her to do it. And it helped make her a household name. And of course, the huge megastar she is today. Lafayette Reynolds from True Blood, played by Nelson Ellis. Such a great, complex and unique character, in my opinion. One of my faves. From his fashion sense to his sass to his loyalty and fierce protection of his friends and his family. This big, burly man, a queer person of colour on screen, and so damn sexy. Lafayette is amazing, and the late Nelson Ellis was such a lovely guy too. I was lucky enough to meet him just once and very briefly. He was lovely. Ryan in Netflix's show Special. This is a really interesting look at a queer character who is on the spectrum and it's both a refreshing and interesting insight of a queer character who has even more to deal with than most. A great show and I can't recommend it enough and I cannot wait for the next season. So guys, that's a wrap for episode 10 of Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say. Thank you so much for sticking around for the past 10 episodes. If your favorite queer character failed to make it onto the show this week, then tell me about it. Send me a message through the show's Instagram at excuseme underscore pod and let me know who your favorite character is, why and how they impacted you. A massive thanks again to Paul Mitzi from the Swapcast podcast for having this conversation with me this week. Don't forget to check out Paul's podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Links to his show are in this episode's show notes. Thanks for listening, and here's to the next 10 episodes. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.